Hello, I'm Brett Donald. This story is called Improperly Prepared Blowfish, from the book collection Machine of Death. For more information, please visit machineofdeath.net. Improperly Prepared Blowfish by Gord Seller Ishikawa Tsueno and his junior, Kimumokoro, sat hunched in their chairs, panting in the humid, dark reception office. Kimu removed his suit jacket and plaintively massage punched himself in the arms, while Sueno just cracked his neck and upper back with a slight tilt of his head, sat back, and breathed deeply. The air in the little upstairs room was faintly curdled by the persistent scents of ancient sweat and menthol cigarettes. The ceiling fan did nothing to banish those odors, nor to dissipate the heat in the room that had built up all day. Relaxing, Sueno slipped off his shoes and looked down at them. He noticed a wide smear of gooey blood on the left one. Shaking his head, he tugged a handkerchief out of his pants pocket and wiped it off. As he was leaning forward, he noticed that there were bits of brain and clotted blood spattered on his pant leg, too. He cussed to himself. Stupid bastards! Why couldn't they have just handed the damn machine over? It would have saved him a trip to the dry cleaners. As he finished wiping his shoe and picking bits off his pant leg, and crumpled the handkerchief in one hand, Ito's woman Yuki entered the room through the back door. Yuki was not Ito's wife, but his twenty-two-year-old lover. She was young enough to be his daughter, and looked sexy as ever. Miniskirt, skin-tight black t-shirt, big amber-tinted sunglasses, all kinds of jewelry, heavy makeup. She was carrying a tray of some kind, though it was too dark to see what was on it from across the room. She shut the door behind her with a high-heeled foot, closing off the inner sanctum of the men's boss, Father Ito. Yuki walked right up to the machine, bent forward a little, and gave it a close look. Heavy she mumbled. Sueno nodded, shoving the bloodied handkerchief into his pocket. Kimu nodded, too, and smiled toothily at her. It was indeed a heavy machine, about the size of a small photocopier, but apparently densely solid inside. Carrying it up three flights of stairs at a leisurely pace would have been bad enough, but hurrying the thing up to Ito's office had just about killed Sueno. Once again, he regretted that the smaller models Kimu had found online had not been released in Japan before the machines had been banned. Yuki smiled as she looked at them, still trying to catch their breaths, and then turned back to the machine. She started sounding out some of the English labels on the buttons. Tsueno turned and saw Kimu staring at Yuki's backside and sighed. Damn, undisciplined Zainichi. Yes, he thought to himself as his eyes brushed her long, bare legs, her body was perfect. Not that his own wife's was anything to sneeze at, but you don't stare at your Oyuban's woman like that. He'd worked with Korean-blooded Japanese before, and had been reluctant to take Kimu on because of his experience with crap like this. Tsueno wondered just how foolish Kimu was. The guy was young and fit. There were thousands of girls in Fukuoka alone who'd sleep with him, many of them almost as sexy as Yuki. Was the chip on his shoulder that big? 
Tsueno wondered whether Kimu's father hadn't perhaps been killed for the same exact behavior, leaving his son orphaned over a momentary leer. Here, Yuki said, turning and setting her tray out on the table. On it were some paper cups and a few glistening bottles of iced green tea. Arigato, gozaimasu, Sueno said, conspicuously polite without even thinking about it. Yuki was the boss's woman. The last man who'd spoken to her too familiarly had, rather famously, been chopped up and fed to one of Ito's pet crocodiles. Sueno reached for one of the bottles. It was ice cold, and the droplets of condensation on the plastic felt wonderful in his hand, against his forehead as he raised it to his skin to cool himself. He felt like shoving the bottle down his shirt front. Why the hell hadn't Ito ever installed an air conditioner in the reception room? Yuki just smiled and sat down to wait. She turned her head and looked at the machine some more. She doesn't usually serve drinks, Sueno observed. She must have been sent to fill time. Was their oilbun, their boss, stalling? But why? Ito had always had a predilection for old things. An old sword hung on the wall behind his desk, and he was always reading old novels. Perhaps he was even old-fashioned enough to be terrified of tempting fate by actually using the machine of death. Some kind of Kawabata-type dramatic crap? Sueno had read a book by that guy. He much preferred manga, especially vampire manga. After a few long minutes, Yuki said, almost sang, It's very big. Her voice was high-pitched, melodious, Sueno quipped silently to himself about how her conviction was very well practiced on this familiar line. <laughs> yeah, it's an older model, you know, Kimu said, and retrieved a pack of cigarettes from his shirt pocket. He was slouching noticeably, where Tsueno had sat up a little. Tsueno wrinkled his nose, scratched it with the tip of a finger, looked at Kimu and Yuki. Do the older ones work as well? she asked, mellifluous. Sure, they're all the same inside. Like men, Kimu blurted with a smirk. The newer machines are lighter, but there still aren't many of them around. They've been banned. Kimu flicked his lighter and lit the cigarette. After a few puffs, he sighed in obvious satisfaction. She nodded again. Tsueno watched the two of them talking. He felt hungry. He slid his chair toward the wall away from the other two. He wished softly to himself that she would go back into their Oyubun's office. Does it plug in? Yuki inquired suddenly. Yes, ma'am, Kimu said and winked. Where's the cable? Sueno sat up, alarmed, and looked at the box on the table. He cussed mildly at Kimu. Hey, where is the cable? Probably in the trunk, Kimu said with a shrug. Go get it. Sueno said, suddenly speaking with all the authority of a proper senpai, an elder whose orders were to be respected without question. Now. A defeated look crossed Kimu's face, but he nodded and rose to his feet. A bottle of iced green tea in one hand, he left the room. That, at least, Kimu seemed to understand. Senpai orders, and Kohai obeys. The relationship between junior and senior was something even a depraved orphan Zainichi like Kimu understood to the bone. Tsueno looked at the machine some more. 
It's a lucky thing I asked, Yuki said after a few moments. Yes, miss. Sueno took a swig of the iced tea, and then held the bottle to his face. The chill moisture on the surface of the bottle moistened his skin, cooled him a little. Very hot today, Yuki said stiffly. Sueno didn't respond except to nod. She didn't really expect him to. They just sat there in silence for a while, and then Yuki turned and picked up the remote control for the TV on the far counter. She turned the TV on, and laughter filled the room. It was a sitcom about a salaryman, and an alien, and a licensed chef, and a talking dog. The dog was a real one, a German shepherd with its voice dubbed on. It spoke Japanese with a funny accent that was supposed to be canine, but sounded more Chinese than anything. It was fed caramel toffee or chewing gum, or something to make it move its mouth like it was talking. Sueno had seen the show before, and wasn't really interested, but he found himself watching just the same, counting the passage of time by the explosions of laughter that emerged from the tinny speaker on the front of the old TV. The alien was trying to buy the dog a business suit so it could get a job like the salaryman's. The dog was complaining that it didn't want to have to go to an office and work like stupid humans have to do. Kimu came back, cautiously, the cable coiled in his hand, and shut the door behind himself. A slow, snaking trail of smoke rose from the cigarette that was still hanging from his mouth. "'Has he come yet?' he asked. "'No,' Sueno mumbled, and sipped his iced-green tea. "'Hurry up and plug it in.' Kimu hurried around the table and jammed one end of the cable into the back of the machine. Then he bent down, his cheap black pinstriped slacks wrinkling around the bend in his knees, and he plugged the other end into the wall. It's got an adapter, he said. Foreign plug. Mmm, black market. Sueno watched him carefully, and Yuki muted the volume on the TV, suddenly banishing all laughter from the room. The sudden silence drew Sueno's attention back to the screen. The dog was wearing a business suit now, and speech bubbles showed it moping and whining about its ill luck and actually getting a job at its first interview ever. The poor animal was being hired straight into middle management because it couldn't read or write or do math. That last bit made Sueno grin. Kimu pushed a button on the main display, and lights started flickering on the side of the machine as it came to life. A strange whirring sound filled the room, and then a slow, rhythmic clicking. Did you drop that thing on the way up? Yuki asked, a little leery. No, Kimu said, conspicuously not calling her ma'am. I think this is just how it boots itself up. <laughs> we'll see in a bit. Sueno cleared his throat. Kimu, maybe we should test it? Do you think so? Kimu asked. Elder brother, he added a moment later, a gesture of respect. I don't see why not, Yuki said. I won't tell him if you won't. She smiled. Tsueno could see how a man could get into serious trouble with this woman. What if he walks in right now? He won't, she said, and made a pained face and pointed at her groin. Pissing, she whispered. It's his prostate. Kimu turned to Sueno and chuckled out loud. Sueno's only response was to frown at him and say to Yuki, I don't think you ought to tell us that, miss. He's our Oyuban. It's okay. She smiled, 
and her eyes went to Kimu. Why don't you try it out? Tsueno followed her gaze to Kimu and gave him one of those don't-do-it looks. But the younger Yakuza took the bait. Boldness and intelligence rarely roost together, Tsueno reflected. Okay, Kimu said loudly, and stuck his finger into a hole in the side of the machine. With his free hand, he searched around the buttons slowly until he found the one he was looking for. He pronounced the word aloud, a foreign word that Sueno had never heard before, and then he pushed the button and held it down. A sudden hiss and mechanical clanking sound emerged from the machine. Kimu cursed, and his cigarette fell to the floor as he yanked his finger out of the machine's blood sampler. Are you okay? Yuki asked immediately, moving toward him. Tsueno remained seated, looking annoyed. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay, Yuki, he said, and cursed again. He held up his finger. It was bleeding, more of a small cut than a puncture. I don't think it's supposed to cut me like that. Tsueno looked on as Yuki examined the finger, and then stuck it into her mouth. She sucked the blood right off it. Tsueno inhaled sharply, and by reflex glanced over to the door, to Ito's inner sanctum. He could almost swear he saw a shadow move across the glass, just for a moment, and his stomach fluttered. What does the paper say? he asked, hoping to break up the scene. Paper? Kimu asked, his eyes still locked with Yuki's, and then his attention returned to the machine. Oh, yes, yes, the paper. It, it should come out of this slot. But nothing did. The machine whined a little, as if some internal feed were broken. It whirred, and whirred, and whirred. A green light was blinking as it whirred. Kimu bent down to read the label under the button. I can't read it, he said. Yuki leaned toward the machine and sounded out the label for the light. Processing. She clapped. So she can speak English, Sueno thought. Maybe she is a college girl after all. It works. Now you, Sueno. You should try. I don't think. Try it, she said, her voice suddenly low. But Ito told me to tell you to try it. Shit. Sueno's heart sank, and he wondered what the hell Ito was planning. Sueno nodded and went over to the machine. He stuck his finger into the same hole that Kimu had, and Yuki pushed down on the same button. A nasty little flash of pain stabbed at his finger. Worse than a nurse drawing a sample of blood. And he yanked his hand back, squeezing his thumb against the pricked spot. The machine began whirring louder, and the blinking light kept going but only for a minute or so. Then the whirring stopped completely, and a humming sound started up. The hum was followed by a kind of mechanical cough, and then silence. Then a red light began blinking. Yuki leaned toward the display and sounded out the button. Paper jam. She translated it aloud immediately. The paper is stuck inside. Shit, Sueno said. We broke it. No, no. Kimu said, I used to work in an office when I was a teenager. Machines do this all the time. We just need to clear the jam and... Ito's door swung open into the room just then, and he entered. He was an imposing man, though physically small. He was shorter than Kimu, and only a little taller than Sueno, but he was solid, thick, and bull-faced. 
A scar ran across his face, from one eyebrow down to his nose, to the corner of his mouth. The two gangsters bowed deeply to their employer, as Yuki stepped ever so slightly back, away from Kimu. Kimu, Ito said. Tsueno, he added. That was out of order. Tsueno's name always came first, as he was the senior. Both men, still bowing deeply at the waist, tensed slightly because of the change. It meant something, and they both sensed it, but neither knew exactly what. The air buzzed with their almost palpable guesses and imaginings. Ito did not greet Yuki, of course. Sir, the men answered in unison. You got the machine, I see, he said, strolling toward it with his hands behind his back, as an office manager might do. Yes, sir, Sueno answered, from a black market dealer's hideaway. It's an older model, but that's all that ever made it to Fukuoka before these things were outlawed altogether. It was functioning as of a week ago. This was the machine that correctly predicted the death of Watanabe Yoshiro. Watanabe had been an enemy of Ito's, and rumor had it that this machine had told him, months before the fact, that he would get a knife in the windpipe, just as he had done Sunday last. It was whispered that someone, the names given varied in each telling, had been waiting for the local Yakuza bosses to die of old age, but had lost his patience and had started taking them out one by one. That was why Wantanabe had gone to such great lengths to get his death foretold in the first place. Not that it had helped. Perhaps it was because of Wantanabe's fate that Ito had even considered getting a death prediction machine of his own. He was sure that, unlike Wantanabe, he could avoid doom if he knew it was coming. It would take a certain kind of rare intelligence, of course, but Ito was used to feeling smarter than everyone around him. Very good work. Today we will find out how we are all going to die, he said, smiling. He did not look at Kimu. Thank you, sir. Yuki was visibly uncomfortable. She looked, in fact, a lot like the way Sueno imagined a woman would if she'd been carrying on with one man behind another's back, and suddenly found herself in the same room with the two men, standing in between them. Ito hadn't congratulated Kimu on a job well done, though he'd obviously been involved in getting the machine. Yuki frowned. Tsueno wondered where her real sympathies lay at that exact moment. I can give this machine a blood sample now? Ito asked. Yes, sir, Kimu replied, and he began to explain it hurriedly. There's some kind of internal sterilizer. It's totally safe. Why don't you give it a blood sample, and while it's processing that, we can clean the paper jam? Mmm, Ito said and nodded. He stuck his middle finger into the opening. Now what? Allow me, sir, Sueno said. He rose and went over to the machine and pushed the same button he'd seen Kimu push earlier. Again, the hiss, the clanking, and then a new sound, a slow, steady humming that got louder with each passing moment. It stings, Ito said, withdrawing his finger from the machine and looking at it. Yuki held out a pale blue handkerchief, patterned with images of children at play. Ito looked at the handkerchief and shook his head. What a waste that would be, he muttered. Then he stuck the bleeding finger into his mouth and sucked off his own blood, 
his eyes still locked with hers, and asked, How long will it take? We're not sure, Sueno said. For some people, it only takes a few seconds. For others, longer. Maybe twenty minutes, even. In that case, I have other things to attend to. Cleaning house, for example. Mr. Kimu. Boss Ito turned his attention to the younger thug. I know that you've been working hard, working overtime, on projects I haven't even assigned you. I fear you've been working way too hard lately, too much overtime. Ito put one arm around Kimu's shoulder and the other around Yuki's waist. I would like to discuss this problem with both of you. He led them towards the exit, leaving Tsueno standing by the machine. When they reached the door, Ito turned and said to Tsueno, Get that machine working, will you? Fix that paper problem, or whatever it is. We're going for a drive in my car. Yes, sir, Tsueno said, and bowed as he flooded with relief. In a few minutes it would all be over, he thought, holding the deep bow as long as he could. As he finally straightened up again, he saw Kimu looking back over his shoulder, a grin on his face. Gallows humor? Or did that idiot Kimu have something planned? Tsueno wondered and shook his head. He's going to screw up everything. He focused on opening the lid of the machine. At least, at first, it had seemed like a simple lid. He discovered that it was more complicated than the hood of a car or the latch on a suitcase, however. He fiddled and jiggered with knobs and levers. Finally, he got something right, and a crack above the feed slot opened enough for him to see the slips inside. Outside, it was still quiet. The papers were jammed in deep and a little ripped up, but he tried his best to extract the two little cream-colored strips without damaging them further. The problem was his fingers were too big to reach all the way in. For a moment, he wished that Yuki had been left behind. She could have reached them easily, with her long, slender fingers. He pushed and shoved until his fingers were touching the papers, but by then they were so tightly wedged that he couldn't actually grasp the little sheets, much less pull them free. Just then, the machine stopped humming, and after a mechanical cough, a third slip of paper slid into the jammed slot. Yanking his hand out, he cursed mildly to himself. He could rob rival gangsters, misdirect cops, talk a board of shareholders into paying him protection money, and assassinate enemies without getting caught. Would he let a mere paper jam hold him back? Ridiculous, especially now that his plan was about to bear fruit. But try as he might, nothing helped. Digging at the slips with a pen just ripped one of them in half. Turning the machine on its side had no effect. Shaking it didn't do anything at all. He was staring at the damn thing, thinking hateful thoughts of broken plastic and metal, when something caught his eye. It was a button with a blinking light underneath. It was labeled, he discerned with some difficulty, Form Feed. A half-formed memory from high school of a dodgy dot matrix printer and a caning delivered unto him by the middle-aged computer lab supervisor, bubbled to the surface. He realized this was the very thing he needed. Sueno jabbed at the button with his thumb. A soft whirring sound started up again. Moments later, three slips of paper were spat out of the front slot, like a trio of tongues, 
sliding out of a single expressionless mouth. They dropped to the ground. Sueno reached out to catch them, but they slipped past his fingers to the floor. As he bent to pick them up, he looked carefully at them. Damn. They were written in English. Of course they were. This machine hadn't been made in Japan, had never been properly adapted to the Japanese market, since it had become illegal so early on. So of course it was all English. Unlike Kimu, Tsueno had never worked in an office. He had slept with a blonde American cram school teacher for a while, back in his twenties. Busty. He remembered her cleavage better than he could remember her face. He certainly hadn't picked up any words or phrases from her that were of any use outside of a bedroom, though. Though he had once laughingly hollered, Harder! Harder! while another of Ito's thugs had kicked some drunken, disrespectful American jerk's teeth in. He stared at the first slip of paper, and then the second. One of them had only one word. Another had two, and the third had three words. Which was which? They were all mixed, and Sueno had to figure out which was Ito's. The one with three words? It made sense on a hierarchical level. A boss should have three words on his death strip, as opposed to underlings, who only warranted one or two. Yes, the slip with three words would be Ito's. Unless, of course, terseness was a sign of respect, and a boss's paper ought to only have one word. Sueno sighed. That was stupid bullshit. He was just looking for a shortcut, but he knew that he'd have to translate them all. There was a computer on a desk in the corner of the room, near the window overlooking the street, that was always left on. Sometimes, while on lookout, he played computer games on it. Multiplayer games, online adventures full of swords and blood and scantily clad anime Valkyries. He sat down in front of the computer and wiggled the mouse. The screen lit up. He searched for an automated translator, and in a few seconds, he found one. Scrolling down to select the English-to-Japanese language pair, and switching the language input to English, he painstakingly typed in the three words on Ito's paper. I-M-P-R-O-P-E-R-L-Y-P-R-E-P-A-R-E-D-B-L-O-W-F-I-S-H. As he scanned the results, he realized that he could hear his boss and Kimu yelling at one another, outside. It was an industrial neighborhood, so probably nobody would hear, but it was a little worrying. He stood up and looked out the window, and saw Yuki was off to the side, shrieking. Kimu and Ito were shoving one another. It was a prelude, of course, to death. As he watched, Ito stepped back from the Zainichi and gestured toward his car. Good, Tsueno thought to himself, and felt a grin spread across his face. Go for a drive. He felt giddy with his impending success, and sat down to read the results on screen. Badly cooked fugu. Tsueno shook his head, and hurriedly typed the phrase for the second slip. C-A-R-B-O-M-B, -B, and hit enter. As the results loaded, Tsueno's attention wandered back to the slip with the weird message about the fugu. His eyes widened. Wait, he thought. If Ito and Kimu are getting in the car, then that has to be my slip. He resolved never to eat any kind of fish ever again, fugu or otherwise, and smiled. He was going to cheat death after all.
a horrific sound erupted outside. He leapt to his feet just in time to see an enormous ball of orange flame burst out through the exploding windows of Ito's car. The blast shook the office, sent pens and books falling to the floor. He grabbed the slips and ran to the door. Throwing it open, he stood still and stared for a moment, as a second and a third explosion went off. It was awful. Like something out of a gory movie. Yuki's slim arms flailed wildly against the front windshield, inside the car, and a hand on the windshield on the driver's side melted onto the plastic-coated glass. It was just like he'd planned. Maybe a touch more horrific, but Sueno's smile melted away. He felt a little bad now that it was done. Kimu wasn't supposed to have been in the car when it went off. Sueno scanned the area for anyone who might be watching when suddenly his eyes traveled to the bottom of the stairs, where what he saw sent a shock through his body. Ito stood alone, gun in hand, staring up at him. The slips, his oyobun asked flatly. Boss, Sueno answered, still shocked, his mind racing. Maybe he doesn't know. I know. Know what? I know how Inoue got you to plant that bomb. Oyubun, shut the fuck up. I want to tell you how I know. Tsueno nodded, but didn't lower his head. Yes, boss. You thought I didn't know about Kimu and Yuki. Any shit-dripping idiot could see what was going on. But you think I'm the only one who's been cuckolded? Tsueno stared at Ito. You slept with my wife? Ito shook his head and gestured at the car. Kimu told me your plan. She told him a few days ago, after one of their meetings. I thought you might enjoy this being your last sight. Bitch, Sueno thought. That cheating slut. Suddenly he felt sympathy for Ito and could understand why Yuki was in the car, dying with Kimu. Thank you, boss. Sueno said. The slips, Ito said again. Where are they? Beside the computer, Oyuban, Sueno said. Good. Thank you, Sueno. Now come down here and show your boss some respect. Sueno breathed deeply. He'd already scanned the stairway, thought out his chances of getting back into the office alive, Ito probably had a couple of thugs in his inner sanctum, waiting. He went down the stairs slowly, and before his oyuban, whom he had so shamelessly betrayed, Sueno bowed his dizzy head, and then Ito put a bullet in it. For more stories about the Machine of Death, visit our website, machineofdeath.net. This audio file is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. That means feel free to share it, send it around, or adapt it however you like. But please, don't sell it. I'm Brett Donnelly. You can find my webcomic, Weird Green Cat, at weirdgreencat.com. Or take a look at my illustration and voiceover portfolio, such as it is, at brettstuff.com. Thanks for listening. 